Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Ag Innovation News Podcast, presented by the Agricultural Utilization Research Institute of Minnesota. I'm Dan Scogan, your host for the Ag Innovation News Podcast. Guests on the Ag Innovation News Podcast shed light on innovations in value-added agriculture. They highlight important voices and work that's being done throughout the Minnesota ag sector, and they educate the public about resources and organizations that support Minnesota agriculture. Today, we'll be visiting with Clayton Mooney from Clayton Farms, formerly Nabellum, an indoor greens farming operation that delivers from seed to your door with emphasis on delivery the same day as harvest. Pretty impressive. Clayton, let's get started with background on you. What, what was your path to Clayton Farms? I should mention that I actually grew up on a small family farm in southeast Iowa, just outside of a town called Blakesburg, mostly row crops. Today, my family farm is still there. But about a decade ago, I was living abroad and returned to the Midwest, and I jumped headfirst into food technology startups. I co-founded my first company, a company called Kinosol. And at Kinosol, I was co-founder and chief product officer. We built solar food dehydrators for farmers in developing regions. So I spent a lot of my time in Eastern Africa, in Rwanda, Uganda, Tanzania, taking our prototypes through commercial launch into those areas and those countries. And I kept coming back to the question of what does food security mean and what does it mean in our own backyard? So years later, I would pose this question in a blog and I would just ask my few dozen readers at the time, how do we create access to the food people deserve? And threw it out there into the world and thankfully had Dana Poole, who is... Clayton Farms' co-founder and chief engineer today, Danon reached out to me and said, I have the answer to your question. And the answer is indoor farming, but I think most indoor farms get it wrong. So I was very intrigued, jumped headfirst into hearing Danon's thesis on the space. And he pointed out a couple of observations to me that indoor farms or vertical farms often fall into as traps. One side is You want all the bells and whistles and you want your automated or humanless vertical farm. And if you go that direction, most times that is too expensive. takes too much capital, pushes out your payback periods too long, and the indoor farm ends up going under before it ever reaches profit. Or on the other side of the coin, you have individuals who maybe come up with a very lean approach to growing. The unit economics makes sense within the space, but then they turn around and they want to just wholesale giving themselves the smallest slice of the pie, which also pushes out the payback periods. And that's why a lot of those indoor farms go under. So Dana and I, over the last six years, have taken the steps to hopefully avoid those traps as we have built the direct-to-consumer indoor farms that we're known for today. Well, that, Clayton, was not the answer I expected when I (laughs) asked about your path for Clayton Farms. What an interesting life already you've led. And tell me about the product you were bringing to overseas and how those countries were utilizing it and making their food chain better? Yes. So at Kinosol, we focused on just the hardware, natural convection solar food dehydrators. And it was designed for farmers entirely living off of their land so they could better preserve the foods and nutrients and not really have to worry about any of the seasonalities. But while building Kinosol and it being a hardware company and trying to figure out distribution, I'd be on trips outside of the Midwest. And I just kept coming back to what does food security actually mean in our own backyard? And I was very intrigued by shifting focus to addressing that in my own backyard. So in Iowa, Minnesota, Illinois, Missouri, et cetera. 
And with Clayton Farms, when Dana and I started the company, we, I already knew hardware is hard, but we also knew that there would be software, living organisms. It was just a lot to deal with. So we had to really lay out the steps to proving that our technology could work and it could scale and it could be implemented into multiple cities across the U.S. So that's an interesting story in itself, I think. But tell me more about Clayton Farms. You figured it out, what was going wrong for some of these other indoor farms. So what is your business model and what is your mission? Our mission is to provide people with the food they deserve. We're a mission-driven company, so that's front and center and first and foremost. But the steps we took to really figuring it out, I still feel like very early stage, every day is day one. But the very first step was we wanted to focus on small-scale vertical farming equipment that could be growing closer to people or within communities. So an average indoor farm takes 30,000 square feet today, and oftentimes they build from the ground up. We said we wanted to start with 1,000 square feet and look for vacant space. So once we started working on prototypes and they could be essentially assembled kind of like Ikea furniture, then we wanted to take the next step and figure out exactly what to grow and how to grow it. So we started working with chefs, produce managers, and cereal restaurateurs to determine which foods to grow and their flavor profiles and when to actually harvest them at, at a peak condition. So at that stage, we were feeling pretty good. And we said, well, let's look for a model to prove our technology could work within multiple markets. And that's when we launched our very first direct-to-consumer subscription box farm. And we launched that one in Ames, Iowa, in the Iowa State University Research Park. So you have a college town of 60,000 people. About a year and a half in, it was working. We said, let's go to a bigger area, a bigger market to prove this out. And we set our sights on the, the Twin Cities, so Minneapolis-St. Paul. And towards the end of last year, right at the end of September, we launched another farm with the exact same model, direct-to-consumer subscription service in Edina, Minnesota, to serve all of the Minneapolis-St. Paul market. And thankfully, we've been able to prove that our approach allows an indoor farm to reach profitability in about one-fourth the time that the industry averages. But today, we've, we've actually taken it a step further, which I'd like to cover with you a, a possible new direction to the outside world. Well, we'll come back to that. You found out now that you're able to set these production facilities up in vacant buildings. So are we talking Kmarts that have gone out of business or schools or big buildings, smaller buildings? Really, do you have a template to work from? We do. With the pandemic, a lot of companies shifting to at least hybrid or, or some companies entirely remote. We looked for warehouse space or office space that was in an industrial zone location where we could come out and essentially demo and remove everything and then go and install our equipment and be up and growing from within a community. So 1,000 to 10,000 square feet is what we've historically looked for. So our Ames farm is a couple of thousand square feet. Our Edina farm is double that at about 4,000 square feet. And then who are your clients? So pretty obsessive over who we serve. And on the subscription side, our average customer is usually late 50s, early 60s, female within a 30 mile radius of the farm. They have focused on their health, their nutrition. They like to pay for the premium service of actually having something delivered to their doorstep. And so that's who we've really leaned in on over the years. But with more recent business models, we've watched our customer demographic and our base kind of shift. Just so I'm tracking correctly, and I want to make sure our listeners understand too, what product or process are you offering the clients? What are they getting? 
Our technology can grow leafy greens, so lettuces, arugula, microgreens like broccoli, radish, and then vine crops such as our cherry tomatoes today. All in all, we can grow about 200 different foods before having to re-engineer anything. And we've always let our customers vote on the foods we grew next. So today we offer about 14 different varieties and anyone can visit claytonfarms.com, put in their zip code to see if we have a farm near you that actually harvests and delivers to your doorstep. And if so, we allow subscribers to choose their delivery frequency. So every one, two, three, or four weeks, they can cancel or pause at any time. And then they customize everything they get from us. So an average customer today is getting a couple of our leafy greens and a couple of our microgreens every other week year round. Wow. And looking at your website, that same day harvest and delivery is a big promise. How do you make that happen? That's really important to us. And that's, that's one of our whys. So the, the same day harvest and delivery or same day harvest and serving for us, it comes down to this fact that I'm, I'm sure a lot of your listeners know, but the average consumer doesn't today. If you walk into a grocery store produce aisle, all the food sitting there is missing a third or more of its nutrients. And that's because it's older than three days post harvest. Now it's not the grocers, distributors, or producers fault, but because they're segmented, they can't fix this. So for us to own the supply chain, from the moment we start a seed in our nursery to the moment we deliver the fresh food to someone's doorstep just a few hours after harvest, that is very, very critical for us because we want it to get to your doorstep with its full nutritional and flavor profile. And for the most part, you've been able to do that or is it 100%? 100%, yes. So we've made the investment in what we call a fulfillment technology stack, which allows us to build out a fleet of drivers to be able to cover all of those delivery areas on the same harvest day. How are you like a CSA or, or maybe how are you unlike a CSA? Do you compare yourself to CSAs at all, I guess? At first we didn't. And then we realized that a lot of our customers were excited by trying new things. And so they would, they would ask us just to surprise them with a new microgreen. And so we'd rotate that in and then you, you pick your favorites and now you, you have your, your custom delivery. So in that regard, someone signing up and wanting a, a little bit of everything we are similar to a CSA. What's interesting for us though, after the, the last couple of seasons, especially you know here in the Midwest as the last lettuce harvests are finishing up around August, that's kind of the last farmer's markets you can go and, and get some fresh local lettuce from. We realized and watched a lot of individuals sign up for our service because they still wanted lettuce. And thankfully they've, they've stuck with us ever since because for us that the home delivery has been absolutely key for us to pair with our premium food. But I'd like to think that there is a lot of overlap. And we do set up at farmer's markets just to continue to get the word out about us. The question that really is percolating in my head is, how do you control inventory so that you're sending out what you have every day? This is something that we feel very strongly about in recruiting and how we've built out the team. I think that individuals with no background in agriculture or horticulture can be very interesting added to an indoor farming company because they come in with an entirely different lens to view problems on. And so for us, instead of taking an approach like we are a farm and we have to grow it as much as we can and then find some buyers for it, we've taken more of the approach of we are like a manufacturer. And every single week we're harvesting one fourth of the farm. And so every time that we get to the beginning of a week and we say, okay, these are the deliveries going out and we harvest that one fourth of the farm, following week is rinse and repeat. So with that comes the idea of trying to figure out the demand to line up to production. 
And behind the scenes, we use quite a bit of data to really look into the tendencies and the frequencies that our customers are choosing. So I can tell you that two out of every three of our customers today have a, a every other week delivery option. A lot fewer customers have the weekly delivery option. And over time, as we've gotten more and more data in, we're able to make better and better decisions, which has led to a decrease in needed labor and a decrease in waste across all of our farms. You count on analytics a little bit. Yes, I nerd out over every decision we can make as a data-driven one here. We do. Earlier when you were talking about the growth of Clayton Farms, how you moved from the farm and then to the Twin City or the college area to the Twin City area, and you said you were now in the works, something new in a different direction. What do you want to share with us about that? So once we were able to prove that our technology could work in multiple markets with putting remote teams in place to actually manage those farms. So for instance, when we launched the farm in Minnesota, we actually hired community members to run that farm. And that was really important for us because they know the market better than we do. They already had their networks built up. They already understood distribution and what worked and what didn't work. So it was neat to bring in a team that's always local to that farm. But when we were looking at new models that could help us scale and you know, really grow the company even more efficiently, we came across a statistic that showed that dine-in was continuing to shrink in the restaurant industry across the U.S. And of course, pandemic accelerated DoorDash and, and the home delivery side. And so we started to look at what's happening in Minnesota and Iowa with restaurants and are a bunch shutting down. And we started to notice that those restaurants, the dine-in space, oftentimes had the same square footage that we required to set up our hydroponic gardens. And so we started looking more into the model and we came across a, a Fazoli's Italian restaurant had just shut down in Ames, about three miles from our Ames indoor farm. And we said, well, let's test this concept where we go in, we convert the dining space to a farm, and then we grow all the greens for salads on site and just operate the drive-through or online orders for delivery or pickup. And so middle part of February, we received the keys over the next six weeks. We demoed the space, installed our equipment got the kitchen all ready to go, and then launched on March 31st was our first day open. And that has been a rocket ship for us. It's been fun to, to watch kind of the evolution of our business model, but it's even more fun to realize for the first time ever, we're actually showcasing our growing to the world. Because as you drive down the street and you look over and you can see grow lights and all the lettuce growing in the windows, for the first time ever, we're actually showcasing that. Whereas in Previously, we were looking for that vacant warehouse space or within a research park. And more and more, consumers want to see where their food is coming from. And this is like hands-on seeing where it's coming from. Absolutely. And, and when we say we want to serve the world's freshest salad, by default, we actually do because it's, it's harvested and then taken 15 feet over to the kitchen area and put into the salad bowl. But I'd like to think that sometime within the next year, we should be able to snag the Guinness Book of World Records for world's freshest salad. I would think so. We're going to talk more about your company's growth, what you uh, consider success, what you think the future might hold for you. But I do want to remind our listeners that you are listening to the Egg Innovation News Podcast presented by the Agricultural Utilization Research Institute of Minnesota. And our guest today is Clayton Mooney from Clayton Farms. They are an indoor greens farming operation that delivers from the seed to your door with emphasis on delivery the same day as harvest. 
And now, as we heard, they've also are working within a restaurant organization now to uh, serve the freshest salads in the world and looking for the Guinness Book of World Records someday to come through for them. Clayton, interested in franchising, or do you still want to kind of keep your hands on the pulse of the indoor farm? Good question. When we think about scaling and, and really focusing on our mission, I want us to have as many farms as possible. And so in order to do that, I feel like we're in the stage right now where we are building the playbook for what works best to be able to hand over to someone as essentially a business in a box, or in this case, franchising. So we are actively looking for locations in Iowa and Minnesota for more of the company-owned drive-throughs. But within the next year, we plan to look at partners and what that actually can do for us to scaling into more states. The fear there is that, that you get the right people plugged into the right places. Yes. Yeah, that's one of my, my biggest paranoia about the team today. It's all A players. Everyone gives 110%. Anyone who joins us is bought into the mission. And I think that's absolutely key. So, you know, how does that evolve when we say we want to hand the keys over to someone else to run it on their own? And that's why I think franchising is interesting because we can still be, quote unquote, a gatekeeper to our business model. But what excites me about the opportunity is to meet more like-minded individuals who are mission-driven entrepreneurs. They are looking to fix their food system in their own backyard, just like we have in our own backyard. And I, I think plenty of them exist out there. But long term, my thesis is we can have the Clayton Farm salads, the restaurants, anywhere at Jimmy John's exists. Is it expensive to set up? No. So it's actually very comparable to what our previous model was with the, the direct-to-consumer subscription service. And the good news is, with the restaurant model, we were able to reach profit in month two, and the payback period on it is under a year and a half. And we think that in you know, locations with larger populations, the payback period will even be faster. So Clayton, what does success look like to you, or are you already there? Oh, not there. I always not satisfied. And I think that keeps a constant state of paranoia. I think that's, that's absolutely key. But success... You know, if I look back towards the end of my life and say, okay, this was successful, I would want to see us having literally thousands of locations and not necessarily just across the US, but globally, because then I feel like the mission of providing people with the food they deserve, it's, it's tipped the scales and there's more people out there who have enjoyed the food we grow than who have never heard about us. On your personal clients, do you give out recipes or suggestions for serving? Are you familiar with building in public? I am not. Two years ago now, we shifted the company to building in public. And what that really means was we just said, look, here's some of our data. Here's what it's like for the inputs on the water, electricity. Here's how we think about growing. Here's how we grow. Across the board, just ask and we'll pull back the curtain and let you see. And with that approach and building a consumer brand, I think it's really, really important because as you mentioned earlier, you know, consumers not only want to know where their food comes from, but they also want to understand the inputs and that impact. And so for us, when we shifted everything to building in public and started sharing, like, here's our churn rate, here's how many customers we have, that also led into people reaching out and asking about recipes and asking more on the nutritional side. And so we did spin up a recipe library. And it's pretty cool because 
Today, most of the recipes that are added to that library are actually crowdsourced and they come from our customers. And that is how we were able to launch the very first menu for our drive-through restaurant as well. That was the feedback from our customer base that already existed for the very first four salads and two smoothies that we offered. And now we've kind of just let the customers take it and run with it. And that allows us to put the customer first in every which regard, because if it were up to me and I said, well, let's spin up this new salad or, or grow this new food, I have to be able to prove or disprove that assumption. And at the end of the day, the customer is the, the judge, jury, and executioner of, of what we think. Clayton, there are people listening to the podcast today who might be considering going down a similar path or may have already started down a similar path. What advice are you willing to hand out to entrepreneurs who are thinking about doing something similar? I'd start with only take advice from people who are at a place in life that you want to be. So I should preface it with that. And it's still very much day one for us. But something that will carry you a long way is naivety in starting a company. Just rolling up your sleeves and jumping in and learning things the hard way. And it comes down to execution is just everything because time is the enemy. So anyone who has that idea, the best thing you do is just get started. And one of the easiest first steps you can do to getting started is start asking people who you believe you're solving that problem or creating that service for if your idea could be useful. And then if so, next step naturally is just to understand how useful. And from there, customer discovery, you, you figure out the pricing and you get to revenue as soon as possible because... If your company or your business is pre-revenue, everything is just living inside of your mind and your head. But the moment you have someone paying for your product or service, then they're first, you're second. And, and I think that's, that's what it takes for anybody to realize or discover if, if that's what they want to be working on. So what keeps you up at night, Clayton, these days? Well, many things, but the, the number one thing, constantly paranoid for continuing to build out the team to really pull this off. And the team across all locations now, we've got about a dozen full-time team members, about two dozen part-time team members. And as we continue to expand, I think that it's, it's really important to continue to recruit A players and individuals who care about food, fixing the supply chain, and are really bought into that mission of providing people with the food they deserve. That's got to be key for us. But then that also translates, like we were just talking about, about franchisees. Finding those right people, because, I mean, people are everything, as we know. I want you to take out your crystal ball for me for just a moment, too, as we talk about Clayton Farms. What does Clayton Farms look like in five years? Five years, we have moved to franchising. We have franchisees in half the states across the U.S., and we've built a, you know, just a supportive network, so we're all learning, and rising tide raises all ships. And especially five years from now, I feel like we can, we can accomplish that. And how do you get there? You have to go out and find these franchisees. How do they find you? How do you find them? For me, it's kind of twofold. Seeing is believing and people buy from people. So when thinking about seeing is believing, we need to do whatever we can to get individuals to experience what we've already built and what we can already serve to them. It's been awesome to see individuals come through the, the drive through for the first time and then turn around and give us you know, a five-star review and say, I have never tasted a salad like this, or it was truly fresh, or this experience, or I felt an instant connection because as I was sitting in my vehicle right before the drive-up window, I could look the two feet over and see my lettuce growing. 
And so that experience has to be front and center for everyone who is interested. And then on the other side of that, the people buy from people. I'm looking for partners, especially in other states we don't have a footprint in or don't have a presence in, who they have also wrestled with that question that I posed many years ago now in a blog of, you know, how do we create access to the food people deserve, especially in our own backyard? And I need to meet them preferably face-to-face after they're able to get the experience at one of our farms and understand that their vision, they could take our idea and run with it and already be solving that problem in their own backyard. And, and I think that's, that's absolutely key. People buy from people. And I think a lot of companies forget about that nowadays. So that's the five-year vision. What about the next 12 months? Any changes? The next big thing coming out for you? In the last year, we have grown from one of our subscription farms to today we have four locations, two subscription farms, a greenhouse just down the road from one of our farms, and then the, the drive-through plus farm. 12 months from now, that will have likely doubled and will already be working with partners in other areas. So if we chat in a year from now, I wouldn't be surprised if we have somewhere between eight and 10 locations. And Clayton, if people just want to learn more about Clayton Farms, about your operation, about what's available and how they can become involved, where's the best place to go for information? That would be claytonfarms.com. And if you want to reach out to me, just drop us a note and just mention you had heard this conversation and happy to answer any and all questions, especially if individuals are thinking about launching their own indoor farms. Always happy to help and hopefully provide a few things we've done wrong over the years that'll save them some time and heartache. Well, Clayton, it's an interesting business that you're running and it sounds like it's going gangbusters and we want to wish you the best and we want to thank you for your time today on the podcast. Thank you for having me, Dan. Thanks for joining us today and thank you for listening to the Ag Innovation News Podcast. Our guest today has been Clayton Mooney from Clayton Farms, an indoor greens farming operation that delivers from seed to your door with the emphasis on delivery the same day as the harvest. You can find out more at claytonfarms.com. And I want to thank my podcast crew of one, Lisa Martinez, AURI Communications Coordinator and the editor of this production. To learn more about AURI, visit auri.org.